Monday, June 27th. It is AL East State of the Division. I'm your host, Colby Olson. I haven't been on here in a couple weeks. I'm joined by Clay Snowden, another guy. Are you on the AL Central? Uh, uh, this is really bad of me. So now I think I've done all of them at some point in time as a guest. I do um, the NL Central. Okay, Between NL Central. Cool. Ethan well, now you're, you're pitch or... hitting. Imagine that you right now are the biggest AL East diehard fan of all time and plug yourself in, right? I'm the Red Sox fan, and I am fired up about today's episode, dude. We are 20 and 4 in June. But before we get into it, let me run down the current standings. So we have the Yankees, 52 and 20, a 722 win loss record. They are just having one of the greatest seasons I've ever seen in my entire lifetime, which is so cool. So cool to see. And as a Red Sox fan, I don't care. It's just super cool to see the Yankees dominate the Red Sox 41 and 31 after such an insane month. The Blue Jays have the highest WRC plus since May 15th. They're at 40 and 31. They just need to find some pitching. The Tampa Bay Rays 39 and 32. They just kind of staying around. Not sure. Waiting for some guys to get healthy. We'll talk about it. The Orioles as well, 34 and 39. Just a really, really impressive season for those lads over there. A bright future coming for the Orioles. Clay, I think we should just get right into it. Do we want to talk Red Sox? Do we want to talk Yankees first? You decide. Let's go ahead and talk Red Sox first. Okay, so the way we're going to structure this episode, just for, so everyone's prepared, is Each of us are going to bring up kind of a topic for each team, except I'm going to do the Red Sox. I'm going to do the Rays and I'm going to do the Orioles. Clay is going to bring up a topic for the Yankees and the Blue Jays. And we're going to discuss from there. So let's start with the Red Sox. Like I mentioned, 20 and four in June, third best record in the AL. Now, since May 15th, their second best WRC plus in baseball behind the Blue Jays, as I mentioned. And Chris Sale is making... His return very, very soon. He's throwing a rehab start, three-inning start in double-A Portland. So the belief for me is that he returns, you know, maybe he makes one appearance before the All-Star break. I would imagine he comes back at least after the All-Star break. But what I want to bring up about the Red Sox, right, they've had underrated depth across their pitching, across their outfield. Guys have gotten hurt. Guys have stepped in and done the job. But it is the main man that has taken the Red Sox from being, you know, already a 90-win team last year. But they he's held this team together. Rafael Devers is second in all of baseball and wins above replacement this year, only behind Manny Machado. First of all, pay him all the money because he's a free agent after this year. Pay him all the money in the world. Red Sox fans already learned their lesson. And I hope the Red Sox front office learned their lesson by letting Mookie Betts drift away but Mookie Betts is hurt right now and Rafael Devers like I mentioned second in war but I want to bring up the fact that Aaron Judge has been getting all the hype in this division and for good reason right he's leading the league in home runs but Devers has played right up to par with him Devers has a 176 WRC plus coming into today Judge has a 180 WRC plus and obviously as we're recording this or before you know after today Aaron Judge hit a walk-off home run to come back after 18 scoreless innings or whatever it was to walk it off for the Yankees. But what Rafael Devers has brought to the Red Sox should be getting the same attention as Aaron Judge right now. Yeah, I mean, he has been absolutely incredible. Um, And and you mentioned paying him the money. That's was going to be my question to you. What do you do with him? And I had mentioned this to you a few weeks ago that 
in a way, the Mookie Betts thing, as terrible as it is, like that has now been burned into the memory of everyone in Boston, including the front office. They're not going to let that happen again. Like, I think it's going to literally impact the way that they make every single move going forward. And I don't think Devers gets out of Boston, and there's no reason why he shouldn't. He is, what, 25? He's 25. And excuse me before people bring it up, but he's a free agent after next season. So in 2024. They have one more year to lock him up, but it's got to be this offseason. Who cares? Yeah, just go ahead and extend him, right? I mean, he's 25 years old and eight months, Clay. He is going to be able to play third baseman in or third base in Boston for the next decade, just about. I mean, he, he would likely get moved off third base, but you get what I'm saying. Um, I, I believe he'll be able to play third base for a long, long time. Yeah. This year, he has negative one defensive run save, zero outs above average. Last year, Rafael Devers was last or tied last in baseball in defensive run save. This year, it's been a different story for him. He's played a really, really fine third base. He has these mental lapses and, and where he makes bad throwing errors or just like little just mental lapses. It happens to some guys, but he has the range and, and athleticism to be really, really solid over there at third. He's not elite by any means, but really, really solid. And the bat plays. So that's my little spiel on Rafael Devers. And legitimately should be in the same MVP conversation right now as the Aaron judges of the world. Yeah, no, I agree. And this, as you mentioned, Aaron judge, he, I mean, he has been incredible um, slumped a little bit this past week. If you look at the stats before that home run, I, you know, I'm not going to be the guy who talks about like, Oh, he was batting 212 the past two weeks right after he hit the three run walk off home run. I won't be that guy, but I do have a question to propose to you about the Yankees. What is their hole that they need to fill and how do they fill it? They've been tied in to discussions for now, I think two or three off seasons, Luis Castillo from the Reds. Well, now it's appearing again. Do they go premium starter and have to pay for a premium starter? Do they try to fill in the depth on the bench? Marwin Gonzalez, is he going to last all season? Is that the player you want to roll into the, playoffs with i don't know that's why i'm asking you you know what is the hole that they have and how aggressive will they be in trying to fill it that this is a team that's out on historic pace you know i don't think that the yankees actually have to do anything drastic right last year they went and acquired clay holmes i think you can do a similar deal go get a guy that's kind of undervalued see if you can tinker a little little things right but this team is gelling and they don't have a hole right they're 52 and 20 clay. They don't have any holes at all. They don't need to fix their starting rotation. They don't need a Luis Castillo, Garrett Cole, Jamison Tyone, Nestor Cortez, Jordan Montgomery, Luis Severino. That is a great five man rotation. And you don't need a five man rotation in the playoffs. So one of those guys likely goes to the pen. I could see Nestor Cortez actually going to the pen in the playoffs, possibly, right? He hasn't been extended out to, you know, pitch 170, 180 innings in a season. But yeah, man, I don't think you need to go out and get some huge splash and kind of disrupt this whole vibe that the clubhouse has. This team is gelling. They're the kings of the comeback. They're the kings of, you know, they're the kings of baseball right now. So I wouldn't change a thing. Do you, do you think we could have a New York, New York World Series? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Scherzer is making his rehab start this week. DeGrom, you know, maybe comes back after the All-Star break. It, it is could definitely happen that would be good for baseball i know that some people out there would be like oh no it's stupid like large market same market blah 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 like screw all that i 
I would love it. Like, okay, here's two people in New or two teams in New York going head to head. Um, I think that would be awesome for baseball, actually. Yeah, I I think it would be unbelievable for baseball. Again, just to wrap up your question, yeah, I don't think the Yankees need to go do anything crazy, do little minor deals. I like picking up a bench bat. Joey Gallo has been really their only weak point. And Aaron Hicks, right? Those two guys, they could go out and get a, a you know an outfield depth piece. But beyond that, I don't really see it, Clay. So let's move on to the Rays, who are just kind of skirting by as of late. It just feels like, they have been winning games they shouldn't. They really can't hit. But Wander Franco is back today. But I want to bring up that this team needs Brandon Lau back and fast, dude. So to give you kind of a picture of the Rays offense, before Wander went down on May 15th, they had a 100 WRC plus. That ranked 13th in baseball at the time, right? You remember offense was dead. So 100 WRC plus obviously sounds low. After Wander Franco went down, a 96 WRC plus that ranks 22nd in baseball. This offense has been anemic and needs any sign of life. I'm going to argue that even with Wander Franco back, he's not going to be able to shoulder the whole load there. They need something else. And deploying Vidal Brujan, and who has a 37 WRC plus, and Taylor Walls, who has a 57 WRC plus, deploying them with regularity just is not going to be enough for a team that is going to need to battle to make a wild card. I mean, obviously, there's three teams that make a wild card. I believe that the Rays, Blue Jays, and Red Sox can all make the wild card. The Guardians look pretty good, though. Someone's going to have to you know, fend off the Guardians who play in a weaker division. And I'm going to pose this the same question you posed to me about the Yankees. What do the Rays need to go get? For me, the, the thing with the Rays is I, I just don't know if they – will be ultra aggressive or if they won't, they're such a difficult organization. We kind of know the moves they typically make. Um, How long are they going to let the youngsters try to figure it out? And I think that they were all kind of brought up and put in this position at this specific time to give them enough time before the deadline to kind of figure out, okay, can we rely on these guys or not? And once it comes to the deadline, if Bruhan's not hitting, if, Taylor Rawls isn't hitting. Josh Lowe's not hitting. They're going to have to make a few different moves. It won't just be one move. Um, I, I guess, you know, Isak Paredes, is he going to be able to keep it up? Probably not. Like, they're going to have to target a little bit of everything for their offense, in my opinion. I just don't know if they will. You know what this team could really use right now? Joey Wendell and guess what they did they traded Joey Wendell away I know Joey Wendell's been hurt but when he's up been on the field this year he's been fantastic but agreed Clay they need something else in this lineup it just does not seem like enough to get the job done I'm gonna let you take it away go into the Blue Jays the Blue Jays um a good team exciting team the same two questions keep appearing in Blue Jays country number one do they need a lefty bat Number two, is the starting rotation in need of more reinforcements to cover both of those things briefly before I shoot? I know you said one question. I did too, but go for it about the lefty bat. I don't think that they prioritize it as much as other teams, because if they did, they would not have gone into the season with the exact roster that they have today. It's not like they had three injuries happen that are all lefty bats. They brought in Zimmer and they brought in, um, Tapia to try to 
solidify the outfield with lefty bats. It just hasn't worked. Kevin Biggio has been a little bit better. Um, I like him as a player. Hopefully he can play his way into a regular role. And, you know, that need for a lefty bat will shift. Because right now I see it as they have enough. And this is why I brought up both questions. They have enough to make one big move at the deadline. Will that move become a move for a Josh Bell or a move for somebody else who can solidify that offense? Or is it going to be reinforcements to this rotation? They brought in Jose Barrios last year, um, signed Kevin Gosman, um, Kakuchi as well. Like they, they brought players in that have a solid background and a solid track record, but it still just feels like they need one more, especially with the struggles from the, 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 the pitchers I just mentioned. The problem with the Blue Jays is not that they need you know, Frankie Montas or that they need Luis Castillo. I think the Blue Jays know that they need those players. It's just how do you go and get those players? Because their prospects system has been decimated, right? They gave up a lot to go get Jose Barrios. And I don't think they're going to trade, you know, Arelvis Martinez or one of those guys, right? They don't really have much behind him. And I don't think they're going to trade Kirk or Mourinho. I mean, maybe who's really going to want Danny Jansen, right? Danny it's not like Jansen. Danny Jansen is, is crazy good. He's all, he's solid. So do you trade from the MLB roster? I mean, if you look at it, Biggio, I think would be interesting as not as a headliner for a big name, more of a, here's some prospects. Biggio is kind of a secondary piece, um, but attractive to teams because he is MLB ready and maybe with a better opportunity can be better. Right. Danny Jansen, I think, is a pretty good catcher. I mean, I, I know that there's teams out there that could want him. Could we see a trade of Danny Jansen to a contender, a rare contender for contender swap? Um, kind of like what we saw with the Rays last year with the Brewers, two teams that are good. That's usually when you see pieces trade MLB to MLB is if both teams are good and they kind, it's kind of a win-win, right? Um, I just... I really struggle to find trade packages for legitimate difference makers that make sense for both teams needs. And I mean, the blue Jays can't give up everything in the prospect. I mean, Groshans, are you going to trade him now too? I mean, I just don't know how many more prospects they can afford to trade. I mean, your point about Groshans too, like I don't actually know if it's a, it's a matter of, if they're willing to get rid of Groshans, I just don't think Groshans is enough to really move the needle to, to get a Frankie Montas or a Luis Castillo. That's the problem here. Like if you're not giving <laughs> my neighbors outside my window, he just came and this is total random, but he came and grabbed a pie from our freezer and he's just waiting through me through the window. So the nice little is there. a great neighborhood <laughs> family, as you can see, <laughs> but to finish off that point, yeah, I don't know if the, the Blue Jays have the firepower unless they're putting together a package of an Aurelvis Martinez with a Danny Jansen to go get a Montas or a Luis Casilla. We'll see. I think they should go and do it because this team is, like I said, the highest WRC plus since May 15th. They really just need that fourth starter. Or maybe they bulk up the bullpen. It's one of those two options for me. And I would be calling the Baltimore Orioles about bullpen pieces. So, Let's finish it off and talk about the Baltimore Orioles, Clay, our favorite team. These guys are freaking exciting, man. I want to talk about today, not actually the MLB team, because we know 
you know, Cedric Mullins, Mancini, Mountcastle. Those guys have been playing well. Austin Hayes looks like the all-star from this team. I want to talk about, though, the impact guys that are going to be on this team next year. And I want to talk about how good this 2023 lineup looks. So I kind of drafted up a potential 2023 lineup, and I kind of want to run down it. So leading off Cedric Mullins, at the two-hole, you have Trey Mancini, three Ryan Mountcastle, who has come alive as of late. Adley Rutschman in the cleanup spot, who has been hitting over 300 in his last 55 plate appearances. Austin Hayes in the five spot. I've heard different things about, you know, whether they trade Austin Hayes, whether they trade Anthony Santander. I think they, they hold on to Hayes. Maybe Santander leaves um, and they go with Kyle Stowers. But in the sixth hole, you have Gunnar Henderson. And Gunnar Henderson is the guy I want to talk about. But let me finish this off real quick. Santander's in the seven hole. Then you have Jordan Westberg, another top prospect in the eight hole, plays second base. And then Jorge Mateo, who in his own right cannot hit very well at all. He's this Jose Iglesias type where he's going to hit 200 with a 60 to 70 WRC plus, And you're not going to give a crap because this dude might be the, he's a top three, top five defender right now in, at the shortstop spot. So you need that, that glove there at with short. Speed. With speed, he's, he's an impact guy on the defensive end. And that's what, where he brings value. But dude, Gunnar Henderson, baseball prospectus released an article actually last week, and they called him the best prospect remaining. So of the guys really that, that have graduated this year, they said Gunnar Henderson actually might be the best prospect remaining. And I don't see much to really combat that. He has a 180 WRC plus and 200 double a plate appearances. He then graduated went up to triple a in 79 AAA plate appearances, a 142 WRC plus in those 64 games between double A and triple A. He has 11 home runs, 14 stolen bases, and he's striking out 20% of the time, but also walking 20% of the time. This guy has an insane approach, a really, really good glove over at third base. He can play shortstop, but there's no need for him to do that with Mateo at short. So you're going to plus glove at third with an insanely good bat. Yeah, I I actually love him. Like he is such a damn good player to watch. And uh, he homered on Saturday, homered on Sunday, um, starting to look really, really comfortable. And I think he'll he'll be ready for next year. I don't know the in depth. I haven't watched fifty games like Arm has or anything. You know, it's mostly stats and highlights, and I catch a game or two here and there. But I am thrilled about the way that this Baltimore team is going. And it sounds funny to say that. But anywhere that there could be a hole, there are typically like holes that are pretty inexpensive to fill. Now, of course, we ha- that we're talking about the lineup right now. We're not talking about the pitching. That could be a different story. The lineup, if they want to trade Ramon Urias, who's a perfectly good, you know, he can play second, third, short. If you want to trade him to a contender th- this season and bring something back, you can do that. Um, they The development of these prospects – Mateo showing that he is an elite shortstop just makes them more multiple in ways that they can say, we can afford to let go of player A or B and bring back something that will help us next season. Um, there's just a lot of their prospects that are kind of in double A, triple A, kind of reaching that age and readiness to take the leap into the MLB. Anthony Santander, I think I would move him. I would, because they have plenty of outfield prospects coming up. He's a corner guy. Corner guy's typically pretty easy. Not going to break the bank 
on you know a lot of corner guys if you know if he's in the seven hole like like you said that's pretty easy to replace good hitter and i know a contender will want him this year if they want to try to strengthen that rotation uh maybe a prospect there and then they have dl hall and grayson rodriguez as well but yep that's what i wanted to bring up because this rotation yeah right now doesn't look crazy on paper but when you add grayson rodriguez who we have as an arm is hyped up as you know, the next coming of Justin Verlander or, you know, something comparable, right? Five pitches, a workhorse, just a really, really advanced pitcher. And then D.L. Hall is a guy that's striking out this season. Almost crazy. 15, almost 15 batters per nine innings. He doesn't have any control. He's walking six batters per nine. But if he can, you know, be kind of a Dylan Cease-esque lefty where he's striking out everyone, maybe he walks a little bit too many guys, but that's a really, really solid piece. This is a team where the Texas Rangers we saw spend a lot of money this offseason. I think next next offseason, you know, I don't think the Orioles are going to throw the money that the Rangers did, but I think that they could add some impact free agents this offseason and, and be, you know, just at least a better team next year. And going into 2024 is when they really shine. The last prospect I wanted to bring up, and I, I mentioned him in the eighth hole that lineup, is Jordan Westberg. So this guy, you know, obviously Gunnar Henderson's getting all the love, but Westberg's in AAA too. And dude, in 70 plate appearances in AAA, Westberg has a 388 average with a two and a 209 WRC plus. I mean, he is on fire. That's obviously going to come back down to earth. A 429 Babip's not going to hold up. But in double A, in 209 double A plate appearances, he hit 247 with a 344 on base percentage and a 473 slug. That's good for a 125 WRC plus. I don't think this guy's going to be a generational talent. I don't think he's going to be an all-star, but he is going to be a damn good second baseman and be a really, really good guy in the back end of this lineup. I'm really excited for the Baltimore Orioles next year and beyond. And we're finally seeing this, this, you know, development system that we've been hyping up for the last few years really come to fruition. And it's so fun to watch on top of the other four loaded teams in this division. So, Clyde, that's going to wrap it up. I'll let you leave, you know, the the AL East people with any sort of love, any sort of last statement here, and then we'll go. I, I do want to say one last thing, and it's about the Orioles. Nick Vespi, a lefty in the bullpen who I absolutely love and is dirty. Uh, a rookie this season – has been so much fun to watch. Um, I don't know his stats off the top of my head. I'm sure that that you're pulling them up. But if you've never heard of Nick Vespi, he is sick. The numbers are pretty freaking sick. I mean, in AAA, just to give preface, he struck out 13 batters per nine, walked less than two per nine, had a zero ERA in 16 appearances before, before being called up. Since being called up, Clay, he has an 0.79 ERA in 11.0 one innings pitch i mean that is nasty like i said i think the orioles should go out and trade some of these relievers while you can because relievers are like running backs in football they're super replaceable and if you can get value back for them there's no reason not to because i don't think yeah the Orioles will be good next year set up for 2024 and that'll do it al say the vision thank you guys for listening catch you next week bye-bye